You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Parables. We are diving in for the summer to listen to Jesus on what he has to tell us about how it is we should live, what the kingdom of God is like. As always, if you have if you have any questions or comments, feel free to send them. That text, that number is going to be in your bulletin, and it's going to be on your screen at all times at the bottom left there. I would love to make this as much a dialogue as possible rather than just a monologue, so feel free to send that, and we might have some time at the end to go over those. But we're talking about parables, and parables, if you don't know, and I say this every time, but it's really helpful for me to conceive, to conceptualize what they are. Uh, para means alongside. Bowl is our word ball. To throw is what the word is. And so Jesus is throwing alongside uh, these stories, alongside our reality to help us better understand the heaven, the reality, the kingdom reality that he's come to bring. And so he gives us these stories that sound like things that we know, um, but they're to give us a deeper meaning about what's going on, what Jesus is up to, what God's mission is in the world. Last week we talked about wineskins. Today we're talking about maybe the hardest parable I've ever read. I read it. When I first read it, I went, what? Huh? And it can be kind of confusing. So if you have some text and you want to read it with me, it's in Luke 17. If there's a Bible in front of you and want to read it with me, it's on page 799. It'll also just be on the screen uh, as well, we're going to be reading here for a minute because we want to know what Jesus says. This is the gospel. This is the good news for us. Whatever I say is just commentary on the already good news that Jesus is going to speak to us through his word today. Starting in verse 7, and then we're going to back up. But starting in verse 7, here's the parable from Jesus. It says, Would any of you say to your servant who had just come in from the field, after plowing or tending sheep? Come, servant, sit down for dinner. Wouldn't you say instead, now fix my dinner. Put on the clothes of a table servant and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you can eat and drink. You won't thank the servant because, is that what I, oh, thank. Ooh, you won't thank the servant because the servant did what you asked, will you? In the same way, when you have done everything required of you, you should say, we servants deserve no special praise. We have only done our duty. After I read that, I said, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? Some of your Bibles might say something like sayings of Jesus, and they separate all these sayings. And you're like, what is Jesus getting at with this parable about the servant. He's got this picture of maybe a small farm in a small city, and, and the farm owner has one servant, and that's, that servant is out in the field all day doing their work, and then they come in, and then they got to do more work. And you're not like, hey, you sit down now. I'll take care of you. That's not how servants and farm owners go, he says. You're going to say, thanks for tending the sheep all day. Get in here and now make my dinner, and then I guess you can eat after that. And you're like, what? That's a pretty harsh parable, Jesus. So let's put it back into context. Because as I always say, a text without a context is a sure sign that you're being conned. And so let's 
get back in it. We got to read some more. Let's back it up. 17.1. Okay, let's read some more. It's going to get hard, though. It doesn't get much easier, y'all, but it's going to make more sense. 17.1, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to trip and fall into sin must happen, inevitable. But how terrible it is for people, for the person through whom they happen. It would be better for them to be thrown into a lake with a large stone hung around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to trip and fall into sin. Watch yourselves, Jesus says. If your brother or sister sins, warn them to stop. If they change their hearts and lives, forgive them. Even if someone sins against you seven times in one day and returns to you seven times and says, I'm changing my ways, you must forgive that person. The apostles said, the apostles, we haven't heard from the apostles in lots of chapters. They speak up in the midst of this and they say, we need more faith. If that's what you're saying, we need more faith. And Jesus says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell that mulberry tree to be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. A parable about servants. Not coming in and getting to sit down and eat, but still coming in from a hard day's work and doing more work. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God on this day. As always, we try to do head, heart, hands. Something for us to know, feel, and do so that we have a holistic understanding of this passage so that we can have a holistic faith so it doesn't get just stuck in our head or our hearts, but it moves to us and through us out in the world. I always ask these questions. What does God want us to know? What does God want us to experience or feel? And what does God want us to do with what we just read? And so my first question is, what does God want us to know? And this is what I think this passage means. This servant passage, tend the sheep, um, tend the crops, come in and get back to work, and then tend the table. This is what I think Jesus means by this today for us. To be a follower of Christ is to be a slave to forgiveness. This is the job description. You don't get to just be like, yeah, I guess... I'll think about forgiving that person. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you know, this isn't an optional part of following me. You got to forgive. Even if they come to you seven times and say, I'm so sorry, you say, you're forgiven. To be a follower of Christ, this is what I think this passage means, is to be a slave of forgiveness. Jesus says at the end of that parable about that servant, he says, in the same way, When you've done everything required of you, you should say, we servants deserve no special praise. We've only done our duty. You don't get to him and haw about forgiveness. You don't get to slap yourself on the back and give yourself praise because you forgave somebody. You are a slave to forgiveness if you follow Jesus. You do all your normal duties, and then you get to do this extra thing, and you say, that's part of the gig. right? Forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption, this is your job. This is normal, everyday stuff. I think this is the meaning of the parable, which doesn't make it easier, but it makes more sense, right? Still hard, but we understand. Jesus is dead serious about forgiveness. Dead serious about this business of forgiveness. So much so that oftentimes when Jesus talks about forgiveness, he makes it conditional. You get forgiven as much as you forgive. Very serious about this forgiveness thing, so much so that he gives us this really weird parable in Luke 17 about how this is your job. You are a servant of forgiveness when you follow Jesus. You don't get special praise. 
You don't get special accolades. This is your deal. I, I get to serve on a lot of boards as, you know, just because I'm a pastor and, and I have a good reputation. People, and I show up to stuff. Really what it is is when you show up to stuff, they're like, you should do stuff. And I'm like, and I don't say no very well. That's really what it is. I say, okay. So I get to serve on some boards. And oftentimes boards have a couple employees. I won't tell you which board. I won't tell you which employee. But just know that some of these have some employees. And we talk about contracts. And we, you know, we give evaluations. And one of the first things I noticed on this one board that I was on was that there was a job description for one of our employees. And the job description said, must have master's degree. And then you read further in the contract and it says, you get plus 1% to your salary for having a master's degree. And I went, if it's a requirement, why are you getting extra pay for it? Either it's a requirement or it's special, but you shouldn't get both. That was the first time I ever spoke up, and that person was not happy with me for speaking up about that, because I was like, it can't be a requirement, and you get special deals for this. That's what I think Jesus is talking about here. Like, you don't get to just, you don't get special deal, you don't get a special praise, you don't get special accolades just because you're doing the thing that Jesus asked you to do, which is forgive. This is what Jesus asked us to do. It's part of the job description. It's a requirement for the job description. You're not getting extra bonuses because you're doing what he asked. To follow Jesus in the way of Jesus is to be a slave to forgiveness. This is what Jesus asked of us. It's part of the job. This is what I think that parable means in context. What does Jesus then want us to experience? What is the emotion or the feeling or the internal thing that God is asking of us or wanting for us in the midst of that? And I think it has to do with the apostles asking for more faith. They say, we need more faith. If that's the case, if you want us to be this forgiving to people we barely like, then we're going to need more faith. And my reading of what Jesus says is you don't need more faith. You need more empathy. Right? Look what Jesus says, even if they sin against you seven times and then they come back and ask for forgiveness seven times, you say, yes, okay, forgiven. And the apostles are like, we're going to need way more faith if we're going to do that. And Jesus says, even if you had the microscopic little tiniest bit of faith in the whole world, you can do greater things than be forgiving. You could tell trees to go throw themselves in the ocean. Now, it feels like they're asking the right person for the right thing. They turn to the Lord and they say, we need faith, and that's good. I want you to do that. But in this case, I think Jesus is saying, you got plenty. If you have even the littlest bit, you could do greater things than be forgiving towards people. You need more empathy for certain types of people that your society has deemed irredeemable. Right, this, for me, I think Jesus is saying, this isn't an exercise in needing more faith. This is an exercise in needing more empathy for who? For who? For who? Why is this such a big deal for the apostles? And who is Jesus talking about? Specifically, he mentions two classes of people. Jesus says, cause one of these little ones to trip and fall. And then he talks about sin and sinners. And those are the two classes of people I think he's talking about. And there's a couple different people Jesus could be referring to. Little ones, sinners, siblings who sin. He says, brothers, sisters who sin. There's a couple different people I think Jesus is mentioning to, alluding to when he's mentioning these people, and I made this maybe helpful, maybe less than helpful graphic for us. 
See, at this time, there were lots of arguments about who was right. Who had the best theology? Which sect had the, was the insider? Who was the one that was inside of God's will and way? And everybody else was sinners. Everybody else was not right. And so sometimes little one or sinners, these all get kind of mixed up. But these are just the people that are pushed to their society's margins. They're on the outside. They're outcasts. And in this society, it was women. It was children. There was a race-ethnicity component. People who were sick or disabled were often accused of being cursed by God instead of just experiencing a fallen creation. Certain jobs made you... uh, outcast, sick, sinner. Different sects were mentioned as being in issues. And then general, the poor, which could encompass all of these things because if you didn't have the right conditions, you were often struggling very much. And Luke and Jesus in Luke has a very big heart for this group of people. And so Jesus, Jesus isn't just saying, like, you should forgive people in general. Jesus is saying, like, you need to pay special attention to these folks who are, who your society often deems as unworthy or less than worthy or outcasts or someone who's just not able to be an insider for one reason or another. Jesus is saying, my mission has come to make sure that these people get to be included. In fact, so much so that the outsiders of our society are often considered to be the insiders of God's kingdom And the people who think they're the insiders in that society are often the outsiders of God's kingdom. Jesus is doing a big reversal. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you need to be extra forgiving for these folks in particular, but everyone in general. And they say, we're going to need way more faith if you're going to need us to forgive people like this. And Jesus says, you don't, a little bit of faith. And you could tell trees to go park themselves in the ocean This is about seeing people the way that God sees them. This is about having empathy for the people that your society pushes to the margins. And so Jesus says, if little ones are struggling, if your sisters and brothers in Christ have sinned against you, if new new followers of Jesus are struggling, if any of these people on the outskirts of your society are struggling, we go and find them and we reconcile. Because Jesus has asked to be slaves of forgiveness. Little ones can also be new disciples in this case as well. But the people your society pushes to the margins, that's who Jesus is asking us to make sure we give extra attention to forgiveness to. Your society's outsiders is going to be Jesus' kingdom insiders He says stuff like this all the time where he's doing this great reversal about what our society values versus what God's kingdom values. And Jesus wants us to pay particular attention to little ones and sinners. And these are the people who come to us and ask for forgiveness, and we're supposed to forgive them. And that is our job description. Jesus elevates sinners and outcasts as people worthy of forgiveness reconciliation, and redemption. And this was radical in this time because people spent a lot of time trying to prove that they were pure and holy, and they did that by separating themselves from these types of people. And I think sometimes we do that too, that if we can just separate ourselves from the 
bad influences and the bad types of people that our society deems as unworthy, then we too can remain a little bit more pure. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. We are on mission. In fact, part of your whole job description is to be an agent of reconciliation. And that's where the disciples and the apostles say, we need more faith for that. We need more faith. And Jesus assures them that even the tiniest amount of faith is more than enough to accomplish this task. We just have to see people the way that Jesus does. We have to have hearts and eyes like Christ to see the people that our society often pushes out as worthy of love and dignity and respect and forgiveness. In 1800s Russia, things were boiling. Revolution was mounting. There were basically two classes of people. They were wealthy and the not-so-wealthy. And the church was really prominent in Russia at this time. They have their own big, huge state church called the Russian Orthodox Church. But most of the priests used all of their social clout to protect themselves from becoming poor. And so they hung out as much as they could with the aristocrats and the wealthy and the people at the top of the social order. But there was one guy, famous now, a priest named John of Kronstadt. And he's famous because, unlike most of the other priests in his city, he would put on his religious robes and he would go to the hardest parts of the city. And he would find the hardest people to love, often the ones that were laying in the gutter, unable to move or respond because of addiction or whatever else was going on. And he becomes wildly popular in Russia, ultimately because he goes and he seeks these people out, and he would say this to them. He would sit with them, he would hold them, and he would say, this is beneath your dignity. You were created to house the glory of the living God. Challenging, comforting, seeking people out that society was more than happy to push to the margins. In his book, he writes, a book called My Life in Christ, he says, never confuse the person formed in the image of God with the evil that is in them. The very essence of the person is the image of God, and this remains in them despite every disfigurement from evil. I think Jesus really is saying, like, this actually is one of those times where you don't need more faith. You need to see people differently. You need to see people the way that God sees them. I know your society has socialized you to see these types of people in this way, but I'm inviting you to see with different eyes these people made in God's image, full of the dignity of God, meant to house the glory of the living God. Tiniest amount, mustard seed size faith will help you do that and more. And so I think that's the challenge for us, is that those you think are beyond God's grace or the privilege of your own presence, that's exactly where Jesus is calling us to. I'll let you figure out who you think that is. Because if I start saying them, then you all, we all start getting mad at each other. But I'm just going to let you think about who our society pushes to the margins. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit convict you about needing to go there. Okay, if that's true, then what do we do? What are we supposed to do? What does Jesus want us to do with this passage that we just read? What should we do if this is true? For me, I think it's this. This is what hit me this week. 
you got to erase the distance between us, especially when there's a relational issue, when there's a sin between two people. Your job as a servant of forgiveness is to erase the distance. This is where I'm getting this. Jesus says, watch yourselves. Already a caution, a warning. Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins, warn them. Go to them and stop. Don't ignore them. Don't separate yourself from them. Don't stop hanging out with them. Somebody says, go to them. Warn them. And if they change their hearts and lives, forgive them. Even if seven times in a day they sin against you and seven times they ask for forgiveness, forgive them. This is your job. This is what I'm taking away. If God is on mission to find the lost, and if our job description, right, if you are a slave to forgiveness, full of empathy, especially for our Jesus siblings, right, our brothers and sisters of Christ, then you have one option before you when someone sins against you, according to this passage. And it's this. Go find them. Find them. Warn them. If they repent, forgive them. That's your option. Our society's like, well, you know, just stop talking to them. Don't hang out with them. You know, really like, maybe avoid them. Don't look at them in the grocery store. Just shun them. No. Erase the distance. This is your job. This is the job description. You can't leave people alone in their sin. And you can't push them away. Jesus is very concerned about this. Our first move, according to this passage, isn't to distance. Isn't to distance. And make no mistake, Jesus tells us, sin is bad. Jesus isn't saying, like, just anything goes here. But he's also telling us that it isn't healed by ignoring people or pushing them away. Isolation doesn't help people recover from negative decisions, rebellion against God, issues in a relationship. I don't know why that says form. I'm not very good at typing. But especially from the church, especially when Christians try to push people away or isolate them or just not talk to them again, this is a recipe for someone getting lost even further and hurt even more and creating more distance between them and Jesus, and Jesus is not having it. In fact, he tells us, sin is inevitable. That's the first line. Sin's going to happen. But he says, being a stumbling block to someone's faith in Jesus, to their healing and restoration, that's worse. Sin, inevitable. But if you're part of the thing that pushes people away from Jesus, you might as well tie a stone around your neck and throw yourself in the lake. Go find them. Warn them. Forgive them. That's the job description. And then you don't get to pat yourself on the back about it. Because that's, that's literally the most basic thing Jesus is asking us to do. Help people find redemption, restoration, reconciliation in the family of God. Sin and sinners, Jesus has an answer for that. He died. He, he has a, Jesus has an answer for sin. Jesus is really worried about self-righteous religious people pushing sinners further away from restoration, reconciliation, redemption, and community inclusion in the people of God. This is what he is very worried about to the point that he tells you to just throw yourself in the lake if you're going to be this kind of person. It's better that you just disappear than to push people away from being healed. This is our job. Go to them. Go to them 
Erase the distance. Don't be part of the problem that pushes people away from Christ. Help try to bring them back in. One of my favorite shows is this show. Do I recommend it? No, it has a lot of bad language. In one sense, it's like one of the most wholesome shows I've ever seen. In another sense, there's a lot of bad content to it. But one of the major themes throughout the entire series, three seasons, it's over, to my sadness, is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. I wanted to show you a clip that came out two weeks ago, and everyone was like, you better not spoil this. So I'm showing you a clip from the season one, but it's about forgiveness, about erasing distance, about coming back together. Take a look, and then we're going to wrap up. If you have any questions, feel free to send them. Ted Lasso. Oh, I got to set up the clip. This woman was married to like a billionaire who owned a soccer team, and uh, they got, he left her. And she got the soccer team, which was the only thing he loved in the whole world. And so she hires this American college football coach who doesn't know anything about soccer because she wants to ruin the team to get back at her ex-husband. And this is where she comes and confesses that whole deal. Ted Lasso. All I want is talk to you. I have something I need to tell you. Mm. Deja vu. <laughs> Ted, I lied to you. I hired you because I wanted this team to lose. I wanted you to fail. And I sabotaged you every chance I've had. It was me who hired that photographer to take the photo of you and Keeley. I set up the interview with Trent Krim, hoping that he would humiliate you. And I instigated the transfer of Jamie Tart, even though you'd asked me not to. This club is all that Rupert has ever cared about, and I wanted to destroy it. To cause him as much pain and suffering as he has caused me. And I didn't care who I used or who I hurt. All you good people just trying to make a difference. Ted, I'm so sorry. Hmm. If you want to quit or call the press, I'll completely understand. I forgive you. You what? Why? Divorce is hard. And it doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or if the one who got left. It makes folks do crazy things. Yeah, but you and me, we're okay. Come on, just shake this hand. My arm's starting to get... <laughs> you know, I think that if you care about someone, and you got a little love in your heart, there ain't nothing you can't get through together. You know what I'm saying? You're not just talking about us now, are you? Maybe. Maybe not.
literal favorite. Good American boy shows up from the Midwest and just makes everyone's life better. But I just saw so much of what we were talking about today about forgiveness, obviously, but erasing the distance. She confesses and he gets up and he comes to her. And then he talks about empathy there at the end, right? Like if we have a little love in our heart, we care about one another and we have a little love in our heart. There's not much we can get through. Like, I think, I think that's it. I think this is what Jesus is talking to us about here, about being people willing to forgive even hard, hard things, asking us to erase the distance between ourselves and the people who hurt us so that, so that, reconciliation and redemption and restoration can happen. One of my favorite comics as I wrap up here, it's one of Jesus erasing all the lines that we're creating, right? We're drawing lines and Jesus is just erasing them. And I think that's part of our job description too. We, people just keep drawing them and we just keep erasing them. We forgive because this is our job. Are there exceptions? Every time I preach on forgiveness, everyone goes, hold on. You don't know what they did. And I don't. And life's hard. And people are awful. And I think this thing we're doing with Jesus is a journey. And I think the Holy Spirit's going to help you. And there are exceptions to this forgiveness thing. Jesus is very clear. There are multiple. Even in the passages we just read. Look what he says. If they change their hearts and lives. We don't often have somebody coming like that video clip and saying, I'm sorry. Right? That doesn't happen very often. And Jesus says, if, if, if. If, and if they return to you seven times, you must forgive them. There's some ifs here. These are the exceptions. You still have to go and warn them, according to Jesus. You still got to go find them. And you still got to tell them. But every time Jesus talks about this forgiveness thing, he says, go find them, go warn them, go tell them. And if they don't change, then you can put up some hard boundaries. Yeah? You can put up boundaries. Yes. And obviously, sometimes these passage, passages get used to excuse abusive situations, physically abusive situations. I'm not saying anything like that, right? Abusers always come back and say sorry, and they keep continuing to abuse. I'm not saying stay in that situation. Get safe. I don't think that's what we're talking about. I think Jesus is talking about everyday, run-of-the-mill relationships that we're a part of, that we're going to hurt each other because sin is inevitable, and you're going to mess up. And we should be forgiving and there are ways in which we can have good boundaries if they make change, if they try to repent. Good boundaries. But I also want to stress, and I want to stress, I want to stress, Jesus allows you to have good boundaries. But the weight of all of his passages are, but lean towards forgiveness. Lean towards forgiveness. You're a servant of forgiveness. Yes, there are places and spaces and exceptions. You can have hard boundaries. You're not supposed to let people treat you bad and, they're not, and they just don't change ever and ever and ever and you have to just kind of keep taking it. But if people are trying and if they're saying sorry and they're working towards becoming better, forgive, forgive, forgive. So you can have your exceptions. But Jesus says if you have to err one way or the other, Air towards forgiveness. And I think this is why, and then I really will be done. I think it's because Jesus never wants us to give up hope that anyone is beyond redemption, including you. 
and we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge them by their actions and it's just really easy to create distance. And Jesus says, no one is beyond my redemption, my, my restoration. And if you're going to follow me, you need to be on board with that. Have good boundaries for people that are hurtful and don't change. But in general, be on the side of forgiveness. Questions, comments, criticisms, concerns. I got a lot. I knew it. Four. Uh, just forgiveness, or are we to help when and where we can help? Yeah, this section is just about forgiveness. There are lots of other parables about helping when and where you can. Be a helpful person as well. Today is just about making us feel bad about our lack of forgiveness. Uh, when talking about insider-outsider, do you think that no matter which side you're personally on, whether you identify with one group or another, that Jesus' message may be talking about opening up our thoughts to the other side? Yeah, I do. I don't know. I mean, I, I think everybody here thinks they're right about the things they think they're right about. If you didn't think you're right, you'd have a different opinion, right? And so, and I think Jesus is saying, like, there's more important things than even just being right and uh, uh, connection community, restoration, reconciliation with one another is more. Jesus has a group of 12 disciples, and they range from people who love the Roman Empire to people who are willing to kill the Roman Empire at a moment's notice. Far left, far right, however you want to define that, he's got them in the same group, and he's telling them, you got to work together to be about this kingdom. And so, yeah, uh, I think everyone here thinks they're an insider, and... Uh, you got to be willing to like lay some of that aside. Should you only forgive someone if they repent, or should you forgive them anyways no matter what? It's going to be healthy for you to forgive even if they don't repent. But Jesus is saying certainly here, if they do, part of our job description is that we should and have to, if we're going to be part of the Jesus thing. But forgiveness is always the best practice uh, for your own health and soul. One more. Is forgiveness conditional? We answered this. Yes, here. Uh, Jesus always wants to give you the chance to set up hard boundaries against people that are harmful. And so um, if people are not changing their ways, Jesus says that we can create boundaries to keep ourselves safe. But to err on the side of forgiveness, nonetheless. Good call. So here's my summary. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a slave of forgiveness. Jesus wants us to experience a depth of empathy for those on the margins, especially for those who our society pushes out. And ultimately, Jesus wants us to erase the distance between us and others. Part of that job description is going and finding people who are hurt or who have sinned, who have erred, who have fallen away. We don't get to just ignore or push away. In fact, Jesus is very concerned about anyone who pushes people away who are lost, broken, and sinful. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for these words to us. Would you help us to contextualize that in our own time and space? That yes, we read an ancient text about farmers and servants, but we live here now. And can you help us to apply these words of forgiveness to our communities?
to our family groups, co-workers, neighbors, maybe even people sitting in this very room. Help us to be people who side and err on the side of forgiveness. Would you give us eyes to see people the way that you see them? Going through stuff, struggling, trying their best. Would you help us to be warm-hearted towards the people around us, especially those who our society deems as outcasts? And would you give us the boldness and the courage to seek people out, to find them, to not be another part of our culture's desire to put more space and distance between everyone, but to bridge the gap to lean in, to move towards, to be on mission with you to find the last, the least, and the lost. And we'll give you praise. And thanks for the way that you work in and through our lives. And now as we come to this table and receive the bread and the cup, would you help us to come with expectant hearts to meet and receive you? You promised to meet us here. Help us to see you in this place. And we'll give you all praise and thanks, saying these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Table Church, will you help me finish that prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory for